Hour number two of Morning Drive, off and running ESPN 1025. The game, show us why you are the biggest Alabama fan for the chance to win a cabin on the Crimson Tide Cruise, February 10th through the 15th. The second annual Crimson Tide Cruise will set sail from New Orleans to Cozumel and Yucatan, Mexico, on board the Carnival Valor. It's a national champion-worthy vacation with your favorite Alabama sports legends. Send us a picture on Twitter with the hashtag BamaCruise or upload a picture at thegamenational.com and you can book your cruise at crimsontidecruise.com. Bama LSU and Braden, when you walked in this morning, you said it just dawned on you that five things could be determined tomorrow evening. Yeah, listen, we know the gravity, so it's not like it's some of this stuff is common sense. We, we know that the SEC West title is almost... 100% on the line. I don't see either way for either team to lose two more games. So basically the SEC West will be decided. That also means that whoever comes out of the West is probably favored against Georgia. Is there a chance that Georgia, if they beat Auburn, beat A&M, and they're surging into Atlanta, is there a chance that Georgia could be favored over LSU or no. Bama? No. I could see them being favored over, over LSU. I could see them being favored, but I could An see An undefeated the, LSU team? I could see the line being really oh, close. Yeah, very Like close. a three-point line. Yeah. I could see that. I could see LSU minus three, yeah. The, the point is, it's not a surefire automatic W. If oh, Georgia, no. If Georgia's sitting in the, in the championship game. But you will likely be favored in the SEC title game if you win this game. So not only is the SEC West hanging in the balance, that's one. Mm-hmm. The SEC championship is hanging in the balance, probably. That's two. Which, which means, by default, a trip to the college football playoff is, is, is hanging in the balance. That's where it gets a little murky because the loser, many of us believe that the loser, some disagree, but many believe that if the, if the loser is a, in a close game this weekend, the loser could still get into the playoff. But the winner is almost guaranteed a spot in the playoff, right? So that's on the line so you've got the potential SEC SEC West the SEC championship a college football playoff and a national championship all hanging in the balance but you could also have a couple other things and that is if Tua is is playing and starts and goes off it is his moment it is his Heisman moment where he's got just as good a numbers as Jalen Hurts or you know any of these any of these other guys Justin Fields Joe Burrow but if he beats Joe Burrow, not only does he knock out his one of his direct competitors in the Heisman, but it would be his sort of crowning moment of the year and his defining moment of the year. And obviously he has to go on to finish the deal, right? Beat Georgia or, or Auburn or whatever. But So the Heisman Trophy could be hanging in the balance, right? Is that fair? 100%. Last but not least, if Joe Burrow goes in there and dominates against a Nick Saban defense in Tuscaloosa, we've talked about how high up draft boards this guy's going. Could you argue that the number one pick in the draft could be hanging in the balance as well? That if Tua's great, it, it, it cements him as maybe the guy to pick at number one. If Joe Burrow is elite, that that's what could push him to the top of the list, that he could be the number one pick in the draft? Like, if, if he goes in there and lights them up, could we be saying all these things are on the line and maybe you could earn yourself to the top of the draft. You, you don't have to sell Joe Burrow to Derek Mason because no. D-Mays, you've been high on him since last May. Yeah, I, and, and there was there were little things that showed me this guy was a good quarterback and then all of a sudden now Joe Brady comes and everybody's like, oh, Joe Burrow, he's the greatest, yada, yada, yada. But if you watch this guy, he was a good quarterback. He's a four-star guy. You know, he couldn't beat out um, Haskins, who could. Um, so he decided to transfer, and that was the best thing for him. He was in an offense that didn't allow him to to maximize his, his skill set, 
which is passing the ball, you know, being a, a field general and, 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 you know, taking himself from, you know, being this guy to the guy. Um, then Brady comes in and he's allowed to, you know, he's allowed his, his talent starts to flourish. I've always said the offensive coordinator job is to put a guy in a position so his talent can show, so he can showcase his talent. Well, Brady came in and put Joe, uh, Joe Burrow in a situation where his talent can be showcased. So this is not a surprise to me. Uh, I was high on the kid last year. I'm high on him this year. Um, what he's doing is, is is he's taken his offense and made it his. Yeah. He's made this offense his. And he's doing things that uh, I don't think anyone else in, in college football is doing. And I'm, it's not about the numbers. It has nothing to do with the numbers. Because Tua's numbers is, is totally comparable, even better than what Joe Burrows is doing right now. And both of them have an opportunity to break college football's completion record um, as as it sits now. But Joe Burrow has a command. It just looks yeah. – Tua looks one way. Tua looks – Tua's been in that offense for, what, two years now, three years, going on three years. He has command in the offense, and you know it. You don't question it. Um, but you look at, if you watch both of their games, and maybe because Tua really hadn't been tested this season like Joe Burrows has. Yeah, no question. But you look at both of them, and you just see something. It's an incremental difference between how Joe Burrow goes about it and how Tua goes about it. He just looks like an NFL quarterback playing college I, right now. Is it that Joe has to be more careful and precise because he's played a much tougher schedule? Like, you're playing Auburn's defense. You're playing against Florida's corners. He's been able to. You're in a shootout with Texas. Yeah. You're going to have to make plays, whereas Tua, you know, Tua hasn't been in a tough game all well, year. Tua, he, Tua has played in some tough games. In the past. In yeah. the past. Yeah. Um, but Joe Burrows, he, he understands that they don't win if he doesn't be yeah. the best quarterback in those games. They don't beat Florida. They don't beat Auburn yeah, if he's yeah. not the best player I, on the field. Uh, can I ask you guys this real quick? Is it kind of like the situation with Deshaun Watson? Because that's how I knew that how good Deshaun Watson would probably be is just watching those two performances yeah. against Alabama. And I'm looking at this kid like – and this is NFL talent on that defense. And mind you, Alabama doesn't have that same talent there. But, it, but I look at what, that what game. Else, what else can you do Auburn in college? Does. Like what else can you do in college but toast a, a Nick Saban defense in, a, in two national title games? Yeah. yeah. Like is there – like, tell me what you can do as a college quarterback to prove yourself more yeah, than roasting Nick Saban's defense. If I'm an NFL prospect, I just say, "Here, here's my tape against me carving up Nick Saban." Yeah, you assess that, right? Like, what? Else, like, is there a better situation or better team that you're no. going to play that's going to you're going to learn more about no. a guy? And again, that's why I voted for him for the Heisman, even when Lamar Jackson won it. I voted for Deshaun Watson. I it's why I've been on Deshaun Watson Island mm-hmm. since he was a redshirt freshman playing on a torn ACL against South Carolina. Like this guy played a game on a torn ACL. That's insanity. He's just he's a next level dude, and it's why we were talking about him as a as a freshman in spring practice for Clemson when he was a freshman before he played a game. It's the same reason we talked about Tua. Mm-hmm. Tua got so much love, and Marquise, you can back this up. The amount of conversation about Tua as the second he signed his scholarship paper and walked onto that campus as a freshman, like 
We knew Jay. There was already talk about. Yeah, I Tua. think people knew. There even, was talk about him from day one. I think people knew, especially as he would get in the game in the fourth quarter. Even though in that, in that Tennessee game uh, he played a little yeah. bit more, even though he had a pick six in that game, people still look at the mechanical things it of Tua. Comes and out of like, his hand differently. Yeah, and then yeah. it's like well, it's it's different. It's a lot yeah. different quarterback with Jalen and Tua. I'm, I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you guys this. I still think that Trevor Lawrence is the top prospect. If he was coming out this year, he'd be number one. But I, there wouldn't be, there still would be. If say, if all three of those guys were coming out, I think the conversation would be between um, Lawrence and Burroughs. Yeah, I think that would be the and Tua would be third. And it's not like it's it's not like okay the concept. That is a great consolation prize. Yeah, like, right, I'm right, getting to right. a great, yes, I can win and I can go to a Super Bowl with yeah, this guy. Yeah. But the conversation really would be, and Tua would probably want, Tua would probably love it because he's like, now nah, nah, it's off me. Yeah. It's off me. I can do my thing and I can go through these workouts and I can just, you know, if I get drafted a third quarterback in the top 10, that's great. But does, how, think, does how Joe play this weekend change your mind on that at all? Like if they if he goes out there and sucks, like let's just say they tank and, and Nick Saban's got some crazy scheme and, mm-hmm. and it works and they win, which is totally possible, mm-hmm. it, it, or, or they or they dominate and they roast Alabama. Is are can, can it swing that much for him from a draft? St- can one game change that much draft stock? It all depends on if he just go out there and just lays an egg and three four interceptions and he just looked like he doesn't have a clue i think it does change the perspective but, but if him. he carves yeah. up saban oh it's, it's a wrap dude it's yeah. titans fans in this city are, are <laughs> yeah. going to be demanding that john robinson yeah. get this guy but I, yeah, yeah you're right but i'm telling you if those three guys were coming out there would be there it would there would be serious talk yeah about because it would be the same thing. I, I disagree. No, it was it would be, be Trevor same Lawrence thing. number one. It would be the same thing with Ryan Leaf and Peyton Manning. Me, people just knew Peyton Manning was the guy, and then all of a sudden here come Ryan Leaf, and now the talk is between Peyton and Ryan Leaf. We, ultimately, we know that Peyton was the guy. No, they were evenly but, viewed. Yeah, that's what coming I'm saying. out of the draft. They if, were if viewed. Trevor La- if Trevor Lawrence came out this year, Burroughs was playing the way he's playing now. Uh, I think there would be some people. That would say, you know what, man, no, this is a tough choice. I think ultimately Trevor Lawrence would get drafted number one overall, right, right. but I think there would be a serious talk between Trevor Lawrence and Joe Burrow and, and as the number one pick. We talked a little bit during the break about this, but the that nine six game with the amount of NFL talent that was on that team. Now most of the NFL stars in that mm-hmm. game, the nine six game in two thousand eleven, most of them were on defense. Right, mm-hmm. most of those guys were the defensive stars. Um, again, I want to say Morris Claiborne was the Thorpe Award winner. Eric Reed was at safety. I can't remember the defensive. It, that wasn't the Dorsey years, but I can't remember who was on the defensive line there. Uh, maybe that was Kiki Mingo and some of those other guys. I'm not sure. They have 45 guys that participated yeah, in that game. Crazy. That drafted. Crazy. Six, 16 or more first-round draft picks. And, and it was like Hightower and Upshaw mm-hmm. and – like the defense Trent, were Trent, were, uh, Trent Richardson, yep. the running back. It was yep. an NFL game it on was, his quarterback. Yeah, exactly. I think TJ Yeldon was the backup in that yeah. situation. And so there, but but this year it's all the offensive guy. Like you could see two or three Alabama receivers get drafted in the first round. Like you, right now I'm five seeing five of the five of the nine receivers should right. get drafted in the first round. Yeah. somewhere and, in the now, next couple of now years. Now Waddle's too young to get drafted, but I've yeah. seen Rugs and Judy as the one and two best receiver prospects yeah. in this draft class. 
and you're playing on the same stinking team. Again, that's why I don't think LSU's going to be able to cover them, but that's just me. But there are, there are, this is going to be unbelievable NFL talent across the board. Um, I will say this, though. You, you picked LSU to beat Bama from the beginning, mm-hmm. back in like media days, right? Like mm-hmm. You've been on LSU winning the game. I will say that we did say all, we said all summer, I had LSU at number four in the nation mm-hmm. starting the season, so I, I thought very highly of, of Joe Burrow. We said all, all summer on this show that if LSU is going to be good, it's going to be because Joe Burrow is, is consistent, takes care of the football, and he gives them a chance to win every game. Mm-hmm. I didn't see this coming. I didn't see Heisman season coming. But we all saw Joe Burrow as the final, finally they have a quarterback, right? Like that was the conversation all summer. It's just been so much better than we ever anticipated. Well, I mean, think about just where Burrow's come out of left field. And sometimes fantasy is actually reality. We did our college fantasy draft. I picked up Joe Burrow off of waivers mm-hmm. after the first week. And he's the number two fantasy quarterback. The guy right might now. win the Heisman and he, in, yeah. in a 12 team college fantasy league, he went undrafted. He's the number two guy right now on a per game performance. Jalen Hurts is number one. Right. Fantasy points per game. Hurts would be your number one draft pick, and J- Joe Burrow's number two right now. Amongst all college players, he's the number two most productive player. Because people just looked at him as a game manager. Right. He's not going to make any mistakes. And Well, they didn't have Joe Brady. Yeah. The most important man on the planet. There it is. <laughs> now he has a guy that has unlocked his talent. Yeah. That has allowed him to say, you know what? I see what you can do, young man. Here's a playbook that allows you to show who you truly are. Because I don't think last year. That that offense yeah. they ran allowed him to show who he yep. was as a quarterback. Yeah, he had 15 touchdowns, two picks. That's like his first month of the exactly. season this year. One final note, uh, a player, to, to I, I think, that sort of flies under the radar because we did not expect him to be a star. I think he just was sort of a guy for LSU. But Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had 33 touches against Auburn, mm-hmm. 26 carries, over five yards He's a carry a beast, against that defense. He's a beast. He carried the load. Even though Burrow made big plays and was the mm-hmm. guy, he, he's, he reminds me of Emmett Smith. I know he wears 22, but he, he never takes a big shot. He's not super fast. He's not super big. He doesn't do any one thing great, but he does everything really well. He's got great vision, great feet. He gets like a little four-yard gain in between the tackles and then ends up picking up seven yards, and you're like, how did he fall forward and miss two tackles? <laughs> he just He's a great receiver. If they're going to win, he's going to have to be a major part of the game because he will keep the defense honest. And if they can run the football against a very young defensive front for Alabama – and it's Edward Hilaire that's doing it. Also, by the way, the greatest named LSU running back of all time. I think there needs to be more Clydes born into this world. I'm mm-hmm. just saying. Not a lot of Clydes. Clydes, damn. And if, and if you're going to be an LSU running back, you might as well be Edwards Hilaire. Cl- Clyde Simmons. Uh, Clyde DeGlatt. Clyde yeah. Drexler. Yes. When were those guys yeah. all bored? All those people. Yeah. Mm. They were smooth. 50s. Also, Long time ago. Yeah. Calabari is the best coach ever. Oh, stop it. I had to say it. I had no, to you've say already it. done it three times. You're fine. I, but I had to say it. No, it's, it's the bet, Calabari. This, this football game tomorrow, time. I'm going to say it's going to be the best football game of the year, and I'll say it's going to oh. even be better than the Super Bowl. Don't, don't do that, because it now, like, now it's going to be like 31-10. I'm telling Why you. Why are you doing that? That's fine by me. I'm going to rub it in D. Mace's face. This is appointment viewing. What if it tells you? Everybody's going to take a vacation day. Everybody's going to be there. Everybody's going to be watching. Oh, like, think about this, too. It's, it's, it's going to be big. The win streak for Alabama at Brian Denny. The fact that LSU has lost this game eight years in a row. since mm-hmm. They haven't won since the 9-6 game. Man. Including yep. the national championship. No, listen, our scouting report in the magazine said this is as, remember we talked about this, this is as close as LSU has been to Alabama since 2011. Mm-hmm. Turns out that was correct. All right. When we come back, it could very well be a moment for a guy who may have a few still doubters out there, but also hypocrisy.
We got to get into this because I, one thing that's annoying me, and I'm going to let my fandom shine through for a second. Everybody wants to criticize Tua for something, but not apply the same criticism to Joe Burrow. We'll do that when we come back here on Morning Drive. Teron Davenport will join us coming up at the bottom of the hour. We'll get to the Titans and the Chiefs. Really no buzz for this game. I haven't felt it all week long. Titans are going to be facing the league MVP, Patrick Mahomes, in all likelihood. And I just get the sense that not many people care. I think that's a sign of what the Titans are currently doing right now. So Alabama LSU, two things I wanted to mention. Uh, Ed Orgeron has been fantastic. Much better than I ever anticipated. Maybe there's still a few guys out there that question if he's really the guy. Like, has he won an elite game, though? He hasn't yet. And if he gets this moment on Saturday, yep. it puts to bed everything. Like This is absolutely the guy. So I, I, said, this, right? I said this during the summer, and mm-hmm. I thought a lot of people thought I was a little crazy for this. I even thought I was a little crazy for this. That there was a Dabo Sweeney-ish type vibe to what he's doing. He's, he knows his weaknesses, right? So he goes out and hires Joe Brady mm-hmm. to, to fix the offensive situation. He knows he doesn't have line of scrimmage players, so he goes out and recruits really hard in two years to rebuild the line of scrimmage. I frankly am picking Alabama in this game because I don't think LSU can pressure the quarterback. I still don't think the LSU Tigers have the, the defensive line that we have seen in the past from LSU. So that, that is sort of my de- de- defining sort of aspect of the game. But he knew that they didn't have dudes in the trenches, so he went out and got them. Um, he went out and got a quarterback. He knew he didn't have a quarterback, so he went out and got one, right, in Joe Burrow. He, he went out and hired one of the best staffs you could possibly hire with Dave Aranda. These are all things that Dabo Sweeney has done. He, he's mm-hmm. building a culture. He's building a buy-in. Does anyone love LSU football more than Coach O? No. Nah. Probably not. Mm-hmm. He lives it. He, he's building the same thing, right, that, that, that Dabo is doing. The problem is, is that Dabo is the best program in the ACC, and can just win ACC titles. And Florida State is a dumpster fire right now. They might be hiring primetime as their coach. No. In the meantime, Ed Orgeron's in the same division as Nick Saban. That's, that is the biggest difference between the two. And frankly, Coach O has not proven in championship settings that he can win those games. It doesn't mean he can't. We'll find out this Saturday. We'll find out if they win and go on to the SEC title game. But Ryan De- has Ryan Day at Ohio State called a single difficult play in his career? Mm-mm. Hasn't called a single difficult play in his entire career. So we don't know what it's going to look like until we see it. Might be great. So I'm, I'm with you. Coach O has been far better than everybody anticipated, including myself. He's very easy to root for. And he's building a, a buy-in and a culture the way Dabo is at Clemson. And I, is it enough to get over the hump against Bama and Saban? We don't know. We'll find out at 2.30 Central Time. And I'm already starting to take my pants off just thinking about it. <laughs> okay, guys, I mean, this is as good a football game as we will ever see in college football. It is. Like it is spectacular. I cannot wait. Here, I told I told I told my wife, I hope I hope she's not listening. It's like take the girls and get the hell out of here. Yeah. Oh yeah. Get the hell out of here. No, my wife knows. Don't say anything yeah. to me. I, I, I told my wife on I think it was Tuesday, I said either the girls have got to go play at their friend's house and you can watch the game with me or you're just going to get them and you're going to find something to do. Just just make like a tree and Don't bother get me. the heck out of here. Yes. Um so, I won't even be on Twitter during the game. Think about that. I don't know if I can do that. Think about that. You can put down Twitter for that long? I will exactly. shut it down. I bet you money you cannot avoid Twitter. It's on right now. I'll bet you $10. $10. Uh, no, a bottle of Tito's, a bottle of bourbon. We'll right? do a sandwich. We'll do a lunch. Whatever you want to uh, do. I'll, I'll, buy you, I'll buy you a bottle of liquor of your choice, a fifth, within reason. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you do not send a single... Now, how do we know if you've been reading Twitter? 
I might we, read Tweeter, but I, I Tweeter. Tweeter. I Tweeter. might read Tweeter. Tweeter and the Monkey Man. Tweeter. Um, you, you don't send a single tweet from the time they kick off at 2.30 yep. until the last whistle blows. Correct. Okay. I'll, bottle liquor on me if you, okay. don't, if you don't send a single tweet. Sounds uh, good. Although I think that's just hurting your audience because I think we all want to hear your, your, your meltdown if LSU's winning. But it's also going to hurt my liver as well. So yeah, that's true. one way or the other, I'll be in pain. Um, exactly. So I, I have an excuse. So like like my um, ESPN was like, hey, can, can you do some post-game interviews afterward with like some of these guys? And I was like, absolutely. And I immediately texted my wife and said, yeah, I got to work the game. I, I got I to... Gotta, I need to be locked in from 2.30 to 6.30. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. Like, I'm not available to help with the kids. You got it, honey. All right. So here's the thing. Hypocrisy. This has kind of bothered me for a little bit. Now, and I get it. Joe Brady, NFL pedigree. LSU's offense has evolved. But you see them. They spread it out. They sling it around. And when I think pro style, and maybe I'm antiquated in my, my mentality, but I think of pro style quarterback prospects in college, I think of like Andrew Luck at Stanford, you know, a fullback and a running back and a tight end, traditional I formation Wisconsin, type stuff. Wisconsin. Like, yeah, like Jim Harbaugh stuff pre Josh Gaddis. But when I watch Burrow and I watch Tua, now I think Tua runs much more RPOs and slants and really high percentage stuff. I just don't, I feel like if you're going to knock Tua and say, well, he's really good at all these college things, but we're not seeing those NFL throws, I don't know that I've seen exponentially more NFL throws from Joe Burrow than I have Tua. I'll let Derek take this one, but I, I disagree with that. I think he's made a lot more because he's played tough, tougher yeah. defenses. Um, here's the thing with what I've seen with Tua. Um, Tua is a exceptional athlete quarterback. He's instinctive, um, but sometimes he anticipates um, too much, and he expects um, – because his receivers are so good. You saw that, you know, last year um, against Clemson where because of all season he he just get back and he anticipates and he throws and his guys are there. Well, Clemson, you know, their athletes were just as good as his athletes. And when he anticipated, they anticipated a little bit faster than he did. Um, and he played some of his – the two probably worst games that he's played was against – Georgia in 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 um, Clemson, and you're talking NFL caliber players on that side of the ball, meaning defense. And his numbers were not the same as they were when he played against everybody else. But I mean, that's just the way it is. It's going to happen. We'll start um, with the LSU game last year because they rolled through everybody in the beginning uh-huh. of the season. They rolled through Louisville and A and M, and he was electric. You know, huge. You know, he was 22 of 30. For 387 yards and four touchdowns last year against AM when AM was a ranked team. They, he gets to LSU and he goes 25 of 42. That's 59%, 295, two touchdowns and a pick. It was one of his worst games statistically of the year. Now, it's okay because LSU on the road in Death Valley, that's a tough environment. But he doesn't, you know, Mississippi State also a really tough defense last year. 14 of 21, 164 touchdown interception. He had gotten banged up a little bit. He was hurt because he had that long run against LSU, right, that scored the touchdown. And then against Georgia, he was 10 of 25, 40%, two picks, one touchdown. So against the three best defenses he played in the regular season last year, he was just a guy. Now, again, sure. very, very good. They won mm-hmm. the games. but I, And I don't – again, I think we're nitpicking two really good players here. But Tua has not – and he also struggled in the championship game mm-hmm. against 
Clemson. So all the best teams he's played defensively, because Oklahoma, I don't count Oklahoma's defense as a good no. defense last year. Well, are we going to omit the fact that he came in in relief of Jalen Hurts no. against our great Georgia defense and won a national championship? No, but, I, but there's no pressure on him in that situation. So now look, he also won all these. So let's sure. not go crazy here. He won yeah. these games outside of the Clemson one. Yeah, and 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 you know, this is what we do. What 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 great college players is we try to find flaws in them they're going to do it to trevor lawrence they're, hell they're already doing it to trevor lawrence um to find flaws and say well this is what he does against top-notch teams this is what he does against everybody else tua has his flaws but tua still is a top five pick um you know i think the difference is with at least this season joe burrows has shown that against NFL-caliber players on the opposite side of the ball that he's Bingo. playing, Bingo. he's making those tough throws. He's doing the things necessary to win ball games. He looks like an NFL quarterback and in, out there. And in bulk, too. Exactly. He, he's not doing – he's not going like 16 for 19. Yeah. He's going 32 for 42 for 321 yards against Auburn's defense, the best, one of the best defenses in the SEC. He was 21 of 24 mm-hmm. for 293 yards. That's 87% completion percentage against Florida. He's doing it in bulk. He's thrown mm-hmm. 200 and he's thrown 65 more passes than Tua. And he's got a higher completion percentage. And he's not playing in this Patriots offense where he throws the ball four yards. He's the, throwing the ball down the field. The pass that he, that the critical pass he threw to, um, what's the tight end that transferred from UT? Um, that, that plays for LSU now, the tight end that transferred to UT. Oh, I'm drawing a total blank. Um, I, I know who you mean. I, oh, gosh. I'm just looking at this news in college football yeah. now. My mind's all over okay. the place. Well, the, I'll find it for you. The, 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 against Florida, when they had to have, I think it was third in like three or something, I don't know, they had to have a first down. Joe Burrow threw a pinpoint pass to the tight end. And to me, that was an NFL throw. His throws against Texas were NFL, yeah. but Texas' defense is atrocious. Exactly. No, but that was, to me, an NFL throw. Yeah. Like, you got to get the first down, critical part of the game. If you don't yeah. get it, the momentum is in Auburn's favor, and you pinpoint a pass to the tight end on the side. That was great. So, some big news in college football. Brett McMurphy reporting that Ohio State defensive end Chase Young will not play Saturday against Maryland due to a possible NCAA issue from 2018 that the school is looking into. So, wow. a guy that you know could very well be the first pick in the draft, a guy that's got a case for a Heisman, Chase Young, you know... Luckily, they play uh, Maryland this week, and they're a 44-point favorite. So well, uh, matter. I guess the only real th- – no concern there, I guess, against that game. The only real issue would be the Penn State and the Michigan games. He would – you know, not having him would be a huge issue there. The real question is, is, does it result in any NCAA stuff? And if there's any NCAA stuff, is it only about 2018, or does it affect the current team? Like, if the NCAA goes through an investigation quick enough, you know, who knows? Again, we have no information on this mm-hmm. yet. We're just – sort of learning so you're saying something no, could have happened under urban mind it wasn't a no. tight end to transfer from um, tennessee because that guy i think went to florida I where, think where that, is thaddeus moss i think it's thaddeus moss is who you're talking about is it yeah so that's who he threw the ball to i'm trying to figure out where did the guy because he went to ut the tight end and went to ut and he ended up transferring gosh you know I, I can picture the kid wasn't he number yeah. eight number 18 Gosh, I forget his name. I know it wouldn't be think. for it wouldn't be for LSU. Eighteen is eight. Yeah, it's not for LSU. Foster it's Moreau for, um, was their tight end last year, um, and he's actually getting some run right it's now. For, I think NFL. it's for Florida. He transferred to Florida. He might have transferred to Florida. 
We'll, we'll figure it out. We'll just right. guess schools and names yeah. for yeah. a while. Coming up next, Titans, Chiefs talk. Our buddy Teron Davenport will join us here on Morning Drive on ESPN 102.5 again. It is Morning Drive, ESPN 102.5. The game, shout out to everybody on Twitter with the uh, correct answer. It was Wolf from Georgia, the yeah, tight end Georgia, we're talking yeah. about. Eli, not Ethan, Eli. who is currently a tight end for the exactly. Carolina Panthers. So there both of them went to UT. Yes, they both yeah. went to UT, and then Eli transferred to Georgia. Yes. Georgia. Also, congratulations to John Johnson for the correct answer of Craig Smith. He is qualified for a chance to win the Winter Classic Celebration Flyaway to Dallas, obviously the round trip airfare, hotel accommodations, tickets for the Preds and the Stars in the Cotton Bowl on Wednesday, January the 1st. Prizes courtesy of Outback Presents and the next chance to qualify coming up with Darren Donick and Chase in their 11 o'clock hour. Right now, Titans talk. Titans and the Chiefs. Teron Davenport joining us from ESPN and ESPN.com. TD, what's happening, buddy? Hey, what's going on? Good morning, good morning. Good morning, good morning indeed. Uh, earlier in the week, I was we were talking about this game and how, how the Titans can go about trying to you know find a way to pull off the upset and win this game at home. And I went back to the Colts game on Sunday Night Football when the Colts, and I get it, their offensive line is arguably the best in football. They ran it right down the Chiefs' throat, and they won that game 19-13. to do you think that's the game plan that Arthur Smith will try to execute until he realizes his offensive line can't do that? I think it's the game plan they better execute because it's time to play keep away. And when you look at the Chiefs, they're giving up 139 on the ground. So it's an opportunity to like, – everything just plays into that direction. You want to keep Mahomes and that offense off the field. That team is a defense that can be – you can run the ball against them. This team has to revolve around running the ball. So common sense will point you in that direction. I think Arthur Smith is going to do that, and they, they really have to. Because last week what they did, two carries in, in the first half against the defense, is giving up a buck 35 on the ground. It's, it's unacceptable. So I, I think they'll fix that this week. In your week of prep and sort of studying um, this team, Kansas City, on defense, we, we talked to somebody who covered the team yesterday about their defense, and it's just so different from a play-calling standpoint and from a personnel standpoint than it's been in the past. What have you seen from this Kansas City defense and how it's evolved over the course of the first half of the season? The thing that's really interesting to me is is just the different things they do to showcase Tyron Matthew, whereas you'll see him, they'll use him as a robber, just kind of like basically just, just roam and freelance in the middle of the field. Uh, I saw a couple times where they gave like a cover two look with him as one of the high safeties. And then at the snap, they would rotate, and he would drop down into the middle of the field, which is always where you attack and cover, too. But he'll drop down and, and kind of be there to, to get the interception. Um, the other thing that I saw that they do with him is they it kind of – they'll use four defensive linemen up front, and they'll drop Sorensen down, and they'll use him to attack the guard and try to influence the center, and then they'll play a game with him – Matthew looping inside, so – those are just the key things that I saw. Um, it's pretty interesting what they do with Colin Saunders as well. Uh, Ninety-nine, you know, when they get uh, when their defense is backed up in, into the red zone, especially in, in ten yards and in, you, you'll see them drop him back into coverage. Um, they give different cover two looks, like I said. So I, I think it's a defense that you know they seem to be doing well against the pass, but like I said, you can run the ball on them at will. And uh, I, I can't really put a finger on why it's so easy to run the football on the 
Now, how do they, knowing that, you know, Malcolm Butler is out, uh, they're down a defensive back, so you 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 go to LaShawn Sims, and we know how that project has worked out um, in the past for them, and, and it had been good. How do you think they try to combat um, going against, you know, those speedy receivers not having, you know, probably their most physical um, corner out there? Yeah, that's a good point. And it's not just Tyreek Hill or Sammy Watkins and Demarcus Robinson. You know, these are other uh, really good receivers. So for me to cover them, I'm, I think you have to zone it up. Um, but, of course, you know, then you have Kelsey to deal with. So it, it's going to be tough. Um, I talked to, to Byard, and he was just saying that, you know, that there's two things that the DVs are, are – are thinking and, and discussing, and that's plaster, and the safety stay deepest of the deep. And that's that's really all you could do against a guy like Tyreek Hill. Um, Sammy Watkins, they like to run those mid-range routes and get him the ball there. It's, it's, it's tough. I don't think that they could go man against that team. And even with Kelsey and the way they isolate him and, you know, run the slants or they they run a wide stick. Like, they do so much with Kelsey also. Tight end screen. You have to go zone against that team, in my opinion. TD, we know winning third down is paramount in the NFL on both sides of the ball. Getting off the field on third down defensively. Sustaining drives offensively. This was really interesting. ESPN NFL matchup yesterday tweeted out the top third down quarterbacks in the NFL with passer rating. And number one is Derek Carr at 140.1 followed by Patrick Mahomes, 135.3, and then Ryan Tannehill, third, at 125.8. Is that a surprising stat or metric to you, considering the the lack of an offensive line and Arthur Smith and everything that Tannehill has working against him? No, it's not surprising. Um, when I, well, it's surprising that he's third in the league. I, I will say that. But it's not surprising that he's high-ranking because that's one of the things that he's done well. I mean... You look at just uh, converting the third downs, even the third and longs. Uh, he's he's done a good job of that. So uh, it's it's not surprising that he has a good ranking. Surprising that he's third in the league, yes. But I mean, there are other stats too. Like this team is second as far as red zone touchdown scoring is. I think they're at like sixty nine percent. They've gone up over twenty percent since uh, almost twenty percent since since Tannehill took over. So. There are things that he's doing right. I know the the Mariota folks don't want to hear that, but he is he's doing some things right. Well, I mean, the offense clearly looks looks very different. He's also turning the ball over at a little bit of a of a concerning clip. He's had two interceptions called back. He's thrown four. He's fumbled three times. Got all three of them back. I don't know how much of a concern that is this week because of the Chiefs' defense. Um, Corey Davis is is. You know, there's an injury question there. What does the outside passing attack look like? Because it was so good in that first game with Davis and, and A.J. Brown. A.J. obviously had one of the interceptions go off his hands last week. Um, what are you expecting from, from those two guys? Johnny was quiet last week as well. What are you expecting from the outside passing game? Because that is what, what Ryan Tannehill does so much better than Marcus. Yeah, I mean, I would expect uh, uh, Rashad Breeland. Like he, he's a, a corner. He likes to press. He likes to get physical. Um, I, I would expect them to, to still work the slant, especially with with uh, A.J. Brown, I think that's become their, their staple route. 
uh, for for that offense. Uh, as far as Corey Davis is concerned, I'm not exactly sure what to expect. As you guys know, it was rainy. The conditions were miserable yesterday. I could get it. If a guy has a tweaked hip, you, you probably don't practice him, you know, when the field is the, the way it was yesterday. Um, I don't know how severe that injury was. I do. I'm almost certain that that injury happened uh, when he drew the pass interference call on James Bradbury uh, in the fourth quarter because he kind of stayed down for a second on one knee and then got up. I asked him about it, and he said it was just uh, – this was Monday I asked him, and he said it was just, you know, the normal bumps and bruises that you get during the game. But then, lo and behold, Wednesday he has a hip uh, injury, you know, that keeps him from practicing. So we'll see. You know, I saw him riding the bike on Wednesday. Um, but, again, I, I don't know where he's going to uh, be on, on game day. We'll see a little bit later today just once, uh, you, you know, they go through their, their practice on Friday. TD, tell me if you think I'm on point here with the way I look at the coaching matchups. I feel like Andy Reid against Dean Pease will be fascinating. I think it's a chess match. And then on the other side of the equation, Arthur Smith against Steve Spagnola feels like one guy playing checkers and another guy playing chess. You're familiar with Spagnola, obviously plenty of time in Philadelphia. He was with the New York Giants. He's been in the NFC East for many years, and he loves to send the blitz. Is that a coaching mismatch? I I think right now it is a bit of a coaching mismatch, um, but... I mean, I, I feel like it's one that they could overcome, and they just have to, like I said, run the football, man, get that established, and then work play action. But the Dean Pease versus Andy Reid matchup is one that I'm looking forward to watching. It's funny, uh, talking to Coach Pease, he said that he's he had fun watching and preparing for them because of how much fun and how creative that offense is. So I want to see what he has cooked up to, to stop him. All right, TD, good stuff as always, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. All right, fellas, take it easy. Teron Davenport. Sounds like zone, zone, and more zone is what it sounds like he's going to be cooking up. Like, how, how do you play man against these receivers? I, I, it seems like a dumb decision, but yeah. he also put LaShawn Sims on Mike Evans for like an entire half, so. <laughs> he learned. He learned quickly, and he got, got LaShawn Sims, the ex, LaShawn Sims experiment. Yeah, was, experience yeah was that, that experiment is not short-lived. working too well. And you would know better than anybody, Mace. Like, you, you can't play bracket coverage on a guy like Tyreek Hill because then Kelsey will kill you, Watkins will kill you, Hardman will kill you, Williams will kill you. they got so many weapons, it's unbelievable. And then Shady McCoy coming out the backfield. I mean, they, what do you what do? You do? So many um, he has 20 receptions already. What do you do? Uh, this offense, um, we had, um, uh, I forget his name, from the Athletic on yesterday talking about the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, and, you know, it's we're watching. Pro- Nate, Nate Taylor. Uh, yeah, Nate Taylor. We're watching. And I asked him a question. I, you know, are we watching arguably one of the greatest offenses um, in, 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 in the NFL ever? Uh because this team, and I know, you know, New England's offense one year was great with Randy Moss. I get it. Um, you know, the the Jerry Rice, Steve Young, Taylor offense, and then, you know, Terrell Owens. I know all of that was great. But I'm talking a combination of head coach, offensive coordinator, quarterback, receivers, tight end, running back that can catch the ball out of the backfield. Just think. Had they not had what to call it, not gotten in trouble, and they 
dismissed and they, uh, and they Kareem Hunt. Yeah. Just think of Kareem Hunt had not gotten in trouble and they released him. Just think how potent this offense would be unstoppable. There's nothing you can do. You just hope that they have a bad game. Yep. We might just be watching the greatest collection of offensive players that we've seen in a very long time. Like guys that are just flat out players. Six one five seven three seven one zero two five. Just just the best at their position exactly. and what they do. Mm-hmm. Kelsey's might be maybe the best. Tyreek yeah. Hill is probably the best deep threat. You know, and it, dude, he he went down the list and didn't even mention Demarcus Robinson. I mean, he didn't even mention Michael Hardman. Yeah, like he mentioned Demarcus Robinson and Sammy Watkins. Sammy Watkins was like the what, like the sixth pick in the draft or something. Mm-hmm. And he's like their third receiver. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. Back after this. Back in here live on a Friday edition of Morning Drive, ESPN 102.5 The Game. Nick Braden, D-Mace, Marquise. We'll try to give you some winners in the world of college football and the NFL. Lee Sterling, ParamountSports.com, will join us in about 12 minutes. Uh, also, we'll get back to the Predators, their debacle from last night. Terry Crisp in the third hour of the show. And then Peter Burns will join us to kick off the 9 o'clock hour as we'll get back to Bama and LSU. But... Just kind of getting a feel for this game for the Titans and the Chiefs as we continue on Mm -hmm. with some Titans discussion. You know, we really went in on the Titans on Monday. Titans Monday, day after a loss. There was so much to get to. You know, we broke it down for four hours. And we talked a little bit about the Titans on Tuesday. But since then, we haven't talked about them as much over the last two and a half days. And I think kind of justifiably so because what is there really to say the fan base seems like they're starting to check out. Mm-hmm. And just gate and I know social media is only one way to gauge the pulse of a fan base. I don't feel like Titans fans are excited for this matchup at all on Sunday. Uh, I mean, why would you be as a Titan fan? Um, you know, your tight ends out in Delaney Walker, um, your cornerbacks out, um, your offensive line hadn't played well. Um, is Jarrell Casey playing? Um He's been banged up. So why do you? Why are you looking forward to this game? Oh, by the way, Patrick Mahomes comes. He comes back this game. So he couldn't wait another game to not come back. I don't know if that would have made a difference anyway. But why would you be excited about this game if you're a Tennessee Titan fan? You know, because in your mind, you sort of already chalked this up as a loss. Uh, J.M. Brown, Jarrell Casey, Corey Davis, Delaney Walker all did not participate in practice on Wednesday or Thursday. All of them were out. Ben Jones was a full participant yesterday, so it appears he's obviously back in. Cameron Wake, full participant in practice. Landry was a limited participant, but who, by the way, is having a really, really nice mm-hmm. season. Um, Jeffrey Simmons did not practice either on Thursday. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think the casual football fan is more interested in this game because of the Chiefs. Sure. Yeah, like sure. I think there's probably a lot of people in Nashville that obviously live. They, they come from somewhere else. They're not Titans fans, but they got a chance to see Patrick Mahomes mm-hmm. play in person. Uh, if you love football, I could see somebody taking a chance to go watch them play. But then you're at that point a neutral observer, and you're not a Titans fan, and you're not you know you're just mm-hmm. sort of there to see greatness, right? And mm-hmm. uh, and frankly, I I do believe that from a viewing experience standpoint, watching Dean P's scheme against Andy Reid and those players should be a very interesting and fun. Like, if you're a nerd and love all the X's and O's side of it, that's a really interesting, you know, thing to keep keep an eye on. But I think it's more like, I'm more interested in the game just as a casual NFL fan who's more interested in seeing what the Chiefs look like with Mahomes and the knee and is he fully healthy and all that stuff and all that talent than I am, you know, if I'm a Titans fan because 
like you said, there's not been buzz at all this week. This this week has been obviously it's taken over by LSU Bama, but college basketball rank are coming out and rankings. I mean, there's a lot of reasons to get get distracted, but it just does not feel like anyone's talking about this game this week at all. Kind of an interesting parallel when you talk about Bama LSU Chiefs Titans, two of the most dynamic quarterbacks in their sports coming back from injuries this week. Tua for Bama, yeah. Mahomes for the Chiefs, mm-hmm. and which guy can stay upright and avoid re-aggravating their injury? It, was it a dislocated kneecap? Yeah. That sounds awful. <laughs> I don't know how these guys, like, broken ankle and and dislocated kneecap, and they're back in, like, a couple of weeks. I, I don't you, you You professional athletes, Derek, you people are just <laughs> genetically just enhanced <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what you guys are but you guys are unbelievable only four teams in the AFC right now with worse odds to make the playoffs than the Tennessee Titans and that would be Denver the Jets Miami and Cleveland and, and we know the Dolphins are tanking the Jets have been a debacle Cleveland has been a failure this year considering expectations and the Denver Broncos have had their issues as well so there you have it folks Titans Chiefs um I kind of think the Titans hang around in this game. I, I, I do too. I do too. But I don't feel like they'll win the game. No, it'll be. It feels like one of those games where the Chiefs will get a ten-point lead and maybe a two-touchdown lead, and the Titans will consistently score to cut it to one, mm-hmm. but will never get the stop they need that that ultimately allows them to to tie the game. It, no. it feels like it'll be like at arm's reach the entire time, but it will feel within reach the whole time, and then it won't really matter at the end but that's i don't know like like it'll be 31 14 yeah or, or some you know or 28 14 and then the titans will score to make it look close and then the chiefs kick a field goal to put it away you know it, it feels like it's gonna look close and mm-hmm. but really the titans never Not had a chance yeah right now it's your chance to win a four pack of tickets to blue raider football as mtsu hosts rice at floyd stadium on saturday november the 16th just be calling number 5, 615-737-1025. We will come back and handicap all the games in the world of college football and the NFL. Our buddy Lee Sterling from ParamountSports.com. He will join us after this on Morning Drive.